0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 231 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I forgot what province I live in. And he's Justin in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, birthplace of Gordie Howe. I don't know why I always think of Gordie Howe when I think of Saskatchewan. That's probably a good thing, right? Yeah. That's an endearing thing, I think, Mr. Hockey.
1: That's right. Yeah, he wasn't Someone born in Saskatoon, though. Common misconception.
0: That's true. Um, but he had a close affinity with yes. with the city itself. That's correct. And uh, I believe there's a statue, is there not? Yeah, there's a statue. Have a statue
1: outside of the uh, arena where That's the blades where play.
0: That's where his remains and uh, Colleen Howe's remains are? Is mm. that true?
1: Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> outside of the, the
0: stadium for the Saskatoon Blades, I sure. think? Maybe we should check... We'll, I don't know, we can don't ask care Clay. I do We'll up. ask <laughs> Clay. Uh, I'm a big Gordy Howe fan, that's why. Yeah. I, I bring it up all the time. But hey, welcome to a new BFMD episode. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Um, website, BFMDpodcast.com And uh, yeah, if you like podcasts, you just Google us, you can find us. Um, but if you're listening to us, you already have, so... I don't know what else to say. Congratulations. You did it. You did it. Can I tell you a cool thing that I'm very into? Sure. This is not a preamble to like an MLM or anything. This is like, (laughs) I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity, Justin. Oh, God. If I could just have five minutes of your time, uh, you know, I I think I can introduce a brand new opportunity uh, that's very exciting that uh, just slid across my desk recently. (laughs) <laughs> no but i actually have something i want to talk about today that's really cool uh that i like okay so one thing that i'm very very into is uh professional sports history obviously i've said many times on this podcast i'm a history nerd and um i love the history of sports i know uh, an embarrassing amount about the history of the national hockey league uh, as well as Major League Baseball. Uh, inside of my DNA is the full script for the entire Ken Burns baseball 10-part series. I just, I love history and I love sports history. I don't know why I can't explain it. Anyway, I, I started getting into uh, reading about the history of defunct sports teams, specifically sports teams from my local area so i think i might have told you this off mic but way way back in the year 1988 this was before you were even born uh cape Breton got its own AHL team. okay you still with me
1: i'm with you yep.
0: are you asleep <laughs> i might be soon all right Fuck off, let me just get this out, all right? Okay, so from 1988 to 1996, there there was a uh, an NHL farm team that played in the AHL in Cape Breton. They were called the Cape Breton Oilers. Naturally, they were the farm team of the Edmonton Oilers, who I'm sure you're all familiar with. Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Ryan Smith. The list goes on. Anyway, so... I recently discovered that I could purchase a hoodie emblazoned with the Cape Breton Oilers logo. And I thought that was the coolest thing that i had seen in a couple weeks. So (laughs) I bought one. I got myself a Cape Breton Oilers hoodie and I'm wearing it right now. And I just think it's cool because it's basically the Edmonton Oilers logo, except Instead of it saying Oilers in that Euler uh, font, it says Cape Breton in, like, a m- kind of different font. And in the background is an orange Cape Breton Island, like the Euler orange, and then the lake, like, the Bredore lakes are blue. And I just think it's fucking cool, man. Um, what, what do you have to say about that? Nothing?
1: Let's talk about baseball. <laughs>
0: I just want to talk about something cool, something that I'm really passionate about.
1: That sounds like an interesting interesting bunny hug or hoodie, whatever you call it out there. It's cool. Uh, All
0: throughout the 90s, uh, there were, I think, four AHL teams in the Maritimes, and they all folded and moved because the Canadian dollar tanked, and then all of the teams moved around. Now, I think uh, Edmonton's farm team is in the usa and i think maybe the only one that still has a firm team in canada is the uh, is montreal canadians it used to be the Fredericton canadians aka the baby habs but now they play in laval and they're called the laval rocket which is cool because mm. it's named after maurice richard anyway we're a baseball podcast we'll talk about the world baseball <laughs> classic we're going to talk about jay's news and then we're finally going to finish our preview we're going to preview all the outfielders, we're going to preview uh, the spot at the bottom of the, uh, the roster, the 26th man, uh, or the 13th and final position player spot. We all have our spicy takes on who that should be, so I'm excited to butt heads with you today Justin. But uh, you're going to lead us off here with all the news, so uh, fire away, my friend.
1: For sure, yeah. Well, as as everyone knows who's been listening to us the past few weeks, the World Baseball Classic is afoot and up and running. Uh, Pool play has concluded as well as a couple of quarterfinals so far. All of the games that were taking place in Asia are already completed. So the teams that made it out of those pools uh, and to Miami are Cuba and Japan. They're going to wait for the winners of United States versus Venezuela and Puerto Rico versus Mexico. Those games will be played uh, tomorrow and on Saturday. And then the uh, semifinals start Sunday, Monday. So this whole thing wraps up uh, on the 21st next week on Tuesday with the finals in Miami. So that will be over by the next time we chat with you. Or no, sorry, sec- I don't th- know. Sorry. I keep thinking it's Sunday today. So no, never yeah, mind. Don't it's, listen to me. me it feels like uh, it should be a weekend. But uh, yeah, Canada finished two and two at the WBC. Um, they were able to uh, beat Mexico, or not Mexico, Colombia and Great Britain, and they lost the United States and to Mexico. Um, the United States drubbed them, <laughs> but we don't need to get into uh, box scores. But yeah, two and two. I mean, I think the biggest thing for Canada was just uh, a lack of pitching depth. It was great to see. The Axeman, John Axford, back on a mound. He had a, a, a good performance. Uh, Adam Lowen pitched, and he struck out the last batter that he faced. Um, Philippe Mont, who people may remember, he actually was in camp with the Blue Jays pre-2020 and uh, actually quit baseball to be a farmer um, during, the, during the pandemic. And he came out of retirement, and he was throwing 90 miles an hour, and he was striking out hitters. And it was pretty cool to see that. So it was, it was really like a... a poo-poo platter as you used to say all the time on this show of of pitchers just a complete wild card you didn't know what you're going to get there There there's a lot of young kids Um, Cal Quantrill got roughed up Um, no there's no Nick Pavetta of course no James Paxton who's hurt again no Mike Soroka who's still battling back from the Achilles issues Um, so the Canada didn't have their best pitching staff there Uh, no Zach Pop in the bullpen because he's battling for a, a roster spot with the Blue Jays uh, offensively, Tyler O'Neill had a great series. He reached uh, the base 13 out of 16 plate appearances that he had. Uh, Otto Lopez had a great series, uh, a great classic yep. for the is the Jays prospects. Yep. Uh, a few other young prospects did really well. Freddie Freeman ended up straining his hamstring, unfortunately, so he didn't get to play in Canada's last game. But it was great to have his leadership on the team of course and i'm sure all, all the young guys who were there were able to to learn something from freeman and the other veterans like tyler o'neill of course who's won a couple gold gloves in major league baseball now so um i don't know it's it's still canada's canada's baseball program is still on the rise of course every year we hear more and more stories about draft picks um prospects that are coming up through the ranks to brown for the blue jays for example he was on this team didn't play a ton but he got in there a couple times yep. so yeah it was just uh i didn't watch too much of it i'll be honest with you um some of the games were on a little bit later in the evening and i'm an old man so i go to bed early and honestly don't really care too much about this tournament i like that it happens but it's 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 still very much kind of like the teams you expect to win do like the u.s japan puerto rico is always good i mean the dominican ended up not making it out of the pool play this year which was a kind of a big upset but it's yep. always the teams you expect to make it <laughs> that do. so. Let's, yeah.
0: I'll say two nice things about Team Canada, and then I'll say two things that I thought sucked. Uh, the good things are, like you said, they won the games that we expected them to win, and they lost the games they absolutely had to win in order to advance. Um, and the games that they lost, they were blown out. It wasn't even close. Uh, the game against Mexico was interesting all the way up to about the sixth or seventh inning. It was mm-hmm. 3-2. And then Mexico busted it open.
1: Yeah, the pitching ran out.
0: <laughs> but even though that game was turned into a laugher, the Canadians lost 10-3. There was still a possibility that they could advance to the next round. And it would have required... A, I believe like a very precise box score because the United States would have to have conceded uh fifth
1: I think it was it had to be 15 to 12 for Colombia against the United States yeah because they had and to s- they had to happen. give
0: up <laughs> they had to give up a grand total of 31 runs across yeah. the entire something like that it was
1: it was a thing that was never going to happen
0: <laughs> it was never going to happen but canada was was not officially eliminated until the end of yesterday's game against like between the united states and Colombia. the united states squeezed out a, a three to win so they go three and one and then they get through uh fair play to them so one nice thing i'll say is that canada was in it until the very last possible moment uh which is was cool um and then another nice thing I'll say is that I agree with you. I think that we're going to see a lot more younger players participating in this in a couple years' time, and I think we'll see more uh, younger players who are making the bigs. And I and I'll, there were a lot of players who are either hurt or opted not to participate for Canada in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So... I, when was the last time they did this? 2019?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be yeah, I think it's every four years. So okay.
0: 2026 last- is when they have they they have the next one to be listed. So I think actually by twenty twenty six this team will be better. Team yeah, Canada oh, will I actually agree. be be, yeah. be better. Now some of the guys you would hope to be there probably won't be. I think Joey Votto will be retired. Oh yeah, he'll be gone. By then, I think Freddie Freeman will probably be too old where he probably wouldn't want to risk injury, especially after getting injured this time. But then again, he's also extremely passionate about appearing in the tournament as a Canadian, as a tribute to his mom. I think they made that pretty abundantly clear in all those videos uh, that I will not confirm or deny I cried at. Um, But I think there are a lot of young players that are going to be very important to team canada in 2026 they got a little taste this time around
1: yeah oh by the way the last the the last wbc was actually in uh 2017 yeah it was supposed to happen it's supposed to happen like they kind of say every three years like the first one was 06 and it was 2009 then it was 2013 then 2017 they have the next one in 2026 but the old the old drone kind of yeah back. uh
0: the covet <laughs> pandemic destroyed the what the 2020 edition yeah. because it was too dangerous they canceled it in may of that year yeah yeah uh and it was supposed to happen in 2021 but i mean anyway that's those are two nice things that t- here's two things that aren't nice that i'll say and it's not it's not really directed at anyone specifically first of all i have to say w- when we go back to this tournament i don't want us to have these scooby doo ass uniforms. Yeah, they were Jesus Christ. They were terrible. Them in Great Britain had the worst fucking uniforms amongst teams.
1: We thought they just went to like like Goodwill or whatever and found something instead of Canadian. No, it was worse than that, man. It
0: looks like something you find a fucking Canadian tire. (laughs) It was awful. Like the the letters didn't look right. The hat was a different color than the jersey. Like what the fuck's like, how do you fuck up a, a baseball hat? Like, it was just awful. I think Baseball Canada, that logo isn't doing it. I don't think that's it. Have you seen it? It's not terrible, but it's like, it's the Maple Leaf. Baseball Canada
1: with, logo it's... is fine. It was the rest of the jersey. I think it's ass, That's been the whatever. Baseball Canada jersey, uh, Baseball Canada logo for a while. I see it every I year. It's... I wear it on my hat when I'm umpiring, so. <laughs> I
0: think it's ass, but anyway, that's fine. Um... I, but the whole uniform in general this time was—I thought it was trash, D minus, F for efforts, D minus an execution. I saw the Great Britain one, and the letters started to fucking fall off. Somebody's, uh, somebody was pitching.
1: Yeah.
0: So it just said Great Britain or something They've like just that.
1: Ironed it was... on, probably.
0: Oh, my God. They, anyway,
1: they we've spent way too long on this.
0: <laughs> no, I have one more criticism I want to say, and no, I've already okay. said it to you 100,000 fucking times since it happened. I don't understand why Baseball Canada started a 19-year-old with single-A experience against the United States. I'll never understand Because they it. knew
1: they were going to lose anyway.
0: <laughs> no, that's stupid. That's a stupid reason. Uh, it was 9 nothing or whatever before he got lifted. Yep. He had one out. That's right. It was they just they fed him to the wolves and the game was over before it began. It was such it, a waste. It definitely was. It was over and it was, it was zero zero. <laughs> it was not fair to that pitcher and they asked too much of him and he got whooped and I thought it was just bad management. It was bad. Sure. They could have done they could have tried any number of different things. They could have done an opener, they could have done anything. I,
1: I don't care enough to to care about this. That's fine. You don't have
0: to <laughs> I don't care whether you care or not. I'm still going to say Yeah. I think it was uh, I think it was a, a waste and the team got thumped and you know, is I, I just don't understand why you don't I thought it was a poor decision. Anyway, let's move on. Uh good luck to the remaining teams. I'm rooting for Japan. I'd love to see a final between Cuba and Japan. I think that'd be fucking cool. And uh, that'd be cool if Shohei Ohtani pitched in the finals. That'd be that'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think they're on track for for that. As I think you Darvish will probably pitch the semifinal because Shohei just pitched the quarters. So.
0: Hell yeah. That'd be cool. All right. But let's yeah, move
1: on. Let's talk about some Blue Jays stuff. Uh, for Mitch Bannon from Sports Illustrated, the Blue Jays have announced a new $20 general admission ticket for the 2023 season, Patrick. Uh, you won't get a seat with it, but you'll actually be able to just float around through any of the new bars and social spaces in the outfield district to watch the game. Kind of cool if you're just rolling up to the stadium before the game time and you want to just catch a ball game. You have 20 bucks in your pocket. You could roll in and just kind of mill around and watch from different angles. Kind of neat. I, like uh, it.
0: I think Cleveland does this too. Yeah, I think, I think there's
1: a few ballparks too when they have these these kind of standing room only spaces, they'll a lot yeah. to just kind of float.
0: It's I think it's a, an absolute W. And then on top of that, if you pay 20 bucks and there's like 20,000 empty seats, is yeah. are someone really gonna like club you in the back of the head if you go sit in a seat?
1: Probably not. So but you're gonna get a, nice a seat option. anyway. It's a nice option for uh, fans who don't care about having to stand for the three hours that they're watching a baseball game well hopefully less than three hours this year at the time well there's tons there's tons more stuff to do right in
0: roger center now so i just think it'll be cool because think about what it'll be like at playoff time it's gonna be like a little city
1: oh yeah it'll be it'll be fun to have all that kind of standing room only chaos
0: (laughs) yeah and again like on in games against teams that nobody gives a shit about and there's like 20,000 free seats like you're th- they're not going to be like nah you got to stand like you can get a you probably will be able to get a seat. I don't think there's going to be you know military police standing around <laughs> blocking blocking off people from like exiting the the concourse to get on you know yeah, getting no the nice. seats or whatever. So
1: yeah But yeah, it's interesting. It's a nice, nice new 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 way to get fans into the stadium.
0: That's twenty Canadian dollars, right?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: That's a W, man. You throw out. uh, Who's on our twenty-dollar bill? The queen. uh, Or no, it wouldn't be the queen anymore, would it?
1: Well, yeah, we're not. We're not putting the king on our money. I don't think so.
0: Oh, they changed. Okay, good.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if the mint has the the budget for that right now. (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: whatever. Eventually, they'll cycle out the money that has the queen on it. Yeah, who knows? They should whatever. just get rid of
1: that altogether anyway. But I wanted to make a joke about
0: us, you know how uh, the United States has Benjamins and yeah, Hamiltons. We've got. I the, wanted to make that kind of joke, but we don't even know who's on the twenty dollars bill anymore. We've so. got
1: the the Queen E's, the L's, yeah, if you will. Whatever. Let's move on. The Lizzie's. Lizzie's in a box. <laughs>
0: it's all about the Lizzie's.
1: Oh, I saw when they. Did. Oh, it's so anyway, funny. I love Ireland. That. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Let's just move on. Happy birthday to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He hey. came- returned to the lineup yesterday, which was awesome. Five days late. Yeah. <laughs> um, congrats to Vladdy and his longtime uh, partner Natalie. They actually tied the knot earlier this month. Uh, Hazel May had tweeted that out. So, congrats to Vladdy and Natalie on that. Uh, Bo Bichette had a two-home run day earlier this week in Grapefruit League action, and this is from Keegan Matheson, friend of the show, and from uh, MLB.com. Bo Bichette, after his two-home run day, on what he discovered about himself during last season's late turnaround: "quote I think I found out that I'm really good, to be honest. I always knew what I was capable of, but now I understand who I am." End quote. So. Uh, some self-discovery going on for Bo Bichette. He has discovered that he is indeed good at the baseball.
0: Do you think that maybe part of what he was dealing with last year was just like a confidence thing? Like maybe he lost himself a little. Whatever it was, he figured it out uh, at the end of the year and we made the playoffs because of it.
1: Yeah, well, I know the Blue Jets have kind of gotten, and every professional sports team now has really got into like the sports psychology side of things yeah. and they have people that the players can talk to to help them work through mental issues that they're having and mental health stuff that they're trying to figure out. So I think yeah that, that could be a part of it. Obviously we don't know Bo personally, but that's definitely a yeah, subset that, so. that I could that I could see being something that led to some issues last year. So I think Whatever you know, it was he figured it out. Yeah, boy did he ever um ex Blue Jay news, Ross Stripling has kind of come out and said why he uh, turned down the Blue Jays contract offer so we know that uh, strips signed a two-year 25 million dollar deal with the Giants that includes an opt-out after the first season and I guess uh, the Blue Jays were also offering a multi-year deal for two years but they did not want to include that f- opt-out after one year so that in the end, at the end of the day is why uh, strips went to San Fran he's basically betting on replicating the season that he had with the blue jays this year so that he can sign a better contract this coming winter so it's really a a, again a bet on himself move and i mean no ill will towards strips just uh he had to he prioritized what he thought was the best thing for him so what are your thoughts on this
0: it feel well obviously it's a very calculated gamble um but it's also backed up by performance-based metrics from last season. Right. Um, San Francisco, that is a pitcher-friendly park. Um, While Stripling pitched in a lot of hitter-friendly parks last year, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out for him. Um, Because obviously he's in his 30s, um, probably was looking for a long-term deal, but he got the perfect contract for him uh it's really it sucks because like i would have thought he would would have preferred to you know stay somewhere a little bit longer but you know he's doing what's best for him and his family and all that and so kudos yeah. to him yeah for sure it yeah. feels like a very calculated gamble yeah where best case scenario he opts out and then he's a free agent again and he might get a shot at a three-year deal worth a little bit more money. Uh, Worst case scenario, he bombs this year, and then he just has another year with San Francisco where he can bounce back and earn himself a contract elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really, I mean, he's given himself so much breathing room to perform that it's, for him, like, every scenario is a win. It's very smart. He's one of the smartest ball players i think i've ever seen yeah well i think he and does obviously like the smartest financial MLB player yeah it's like the sides, he's definitely so. the smartest MLB player i've ever spoken to yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that list
1: is pretty small <laughs> uh, yeah but uh it's one yeah. <laughs>
0: um but I, I should say like i think ross Stripling is an incredibly intelligent person and it this feels like a five-dimensional chess move I would expect nothing less from uh, Chicken Strip. So, honestly, I'm rooting for him in San Francisco. I'm rooting for him.
1: For sure. Um, Some roster news for the Blue Jays. Uh, This week, they reassigned an option 12 players, leaving them with 55 remaining in camp. Ricky Tiedemann, Sam Roberts, Hayden Younger were among those reassigned to my league camp with uh, Hagen Donner, Spencer Horwitz, who is playing at the world was playing at the World Baseball Classic with Team Israel, uh, Josver Zulueta, and Elvis Martinez were all optioned, since those last four guys are currently on the 40-man roster, so they can't just be reassigned. This doesn't mean that they won't still appear in spring training games, and as for a matter of fact, uh, Elvis Martinez is in the Blue Jays lineup today, which that game still will start at t- after we're done recording this episode. It hasn't happened yet today. Um. So, they can all still appear in spring games. They just are basically saying those guys are not going to make the opening day roster. So, they're just uh, reassigning them to minor league camp so that they can get into some more, like, inter-squad and drills with those other minor league guys. So, yeah. Any surprises on that list, Patrick, for you?
0: Nope. Everybody yeah. who I expected to get moved got moved. Um. I think we were we had high hopes for Ricky Tiedemann that oh, they course. might push him a little bit more, but I mean he's he's still twenty, Like, yeah. we're fine. It's fine.
1: And he's been battling some left shoulder soreness a little bit this week. Yeah,
0: he he's got to log a lot of innings this season in order to get up to speed to be ready yes. for MLB at all. So
1: yeah. He was supposed to throw a side session yesterday, but they've actually pushed that back to tomorrow now just to give him two extra days. They're just being extra cautious because, yeah, the season's not even starting yet, and you don't want to have anybody go in at less than 100%. So they'll ease off on Ricky a a bit there and make sure that he's ready to start the minor league season.
0: We'll still April. see Orelvis for the next week or so. We'll still Correct. see yeah. Zulueta, I th- I believe. Yeah, they'll they'll um,
1: definitely trim down this roster further because we n- know that they're only able to bring twenty six when they go north. So yeah, so like um, the Capros and, have to come and whatnot. Yeah, they're yep. not
0: gonna be on the roster after.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was a guy who was a long shot at that final bullpen spot, and he has pitched really well in the spring. He's got huge swing and miss stuff, but he is still a starting pitcher in the organization, yeah. and I'm guessing that they'll likely give him some more time to be a starter. He was another guy who um, I believe he heard himself like fielding a, a, a ball or something in his very first spring training game. Was, uh, not spring game, but minor league game, kind of like how Nate Pearson took the comeback and broke his arm. Had a bad luck injury his first game and then hasn't pitched too much in the minors yet. So, but he was in he was already up in Triple A in the last year. So, he's a guy who's knocking on the door as well. I um, think another exciting guy who can throw 100 miles an hour. So, we like that. Um, speaking of minor leagues, Statcast MLB have announced that there will be a Statcast data for Triple A this year, Patrick, for the entirety of Triple A, not just a specific region. So that's exciting. Uh, MLB is trying to expand their data and numbers further down and we hope that continues because that'll give us more to talk about when we talk about the minor leagues
0: so does that mean that there will be a savant page that's correct yes
1: that is Statcast.
0: all triple a well i know correct. it's Statcast, but i was just asking are they going to generate yes. savant pages there will be there will be triple a only triple a a AAA players. so
1: though? far yeah they're, they're they're not they're starting with triple a there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of players <laughs> in the minor leagues of course. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long project, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And they're also adding like some, some impact point data for batting. So you'll be able to see where batters are making contact with the heat map on their, on the barrel of their bat. So you really get to see which guys are like really hitting that sweet spot, who's topping it, who's getting underneath the ball. You'll be able to see a lot more swing path data, I believe this year too, which is pretty exciting. So. We like that. Okay. It'll help okay. us be even more armchair manager than we already are. Um, <laughs> moving into our main, main segment of the day, Patrick, uh, as you know, we've been going through our preview series. Last week, we did the infielders. The weeks before, we did the starting rotation and the bullpen. And today, we're going to wrap things up in the previews with the outfield utility guys. And then we're going to chat a bit about uh, who could be the final bench bat the 13th bat on this roster we're going to start it off at the top of the batting order Patrick with George Springer what do you got for him man
0: I love this guy George Springer is like the heart of this team he yes. is I wouldn't quite say he's the engine of the offense but it's almost like he's kind of like what what is the thing he's in the conductor of the train yes but what's the thing in the engine that makes the spark thingy that makes it go the spark plug
1: yeah, that'd be, spark, I don't know. I'm not a i not car know. guy.
0: Yeah, I don't know fuck all about cars. So let's Cargo just abandon vroom. this. Let's let's abandon this metaphor. He's the heart of. I I would argue the offense when he's healthy, he is fast, he can hit hard, he's got power, he's handsome. Yeah, I was just gonna say uh,
1: he's a very good-looking man.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, let's talk about, let's look at the differences between 2021 and 2022. Obviously, he played more games uh, this past season than he did in 2021. The home runs, uh, the home run per, uh, uh, you know, at bat actually came down a little bit in 2022. Uh, But runs were way up. Uh, He hit 25 home runs, 89 runs uh, scored, 76 runs batted in, which is pretty great. For a, a leadoff guy, he stole fourteen bases. I think for him, getting confidence behind being able to use his wheels was pretty terrific. Um, and obviously he's got mad power. He, you know, his slug did decline uh, between do, the two seasons. Do you
1: have? But, do you think that had to do with the elbow issues that he experienced all year, where he couldn't really throw? <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the strike, the strikeout slow came down significantly, like mm-hmm. a significant portion. Uh, he was 2.5 f war in 79 games played uh, 2021. In 2022, it was 4.2 and 133. So pretty much a similar pace. Nice. He's an excellent outfielder, uh, although because he's getting up there in age, he's probably going to transition from center to right. Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't strike out a lot. He gets more walks than the average bear. Uh, he does not chase. He's got great sprint speed. Um, he's a positive value defender, even at his age, even with all the injuries, his whiff rate is way below average. Uh, and the average exit velocity last year was down, but I still think he is one of the most dynamic, uh, hitters in baseball I think he uh fully healthy is one of the most dangerous bats uh in the league and he's definitely giving me vibes of like a less fast Ricky Henderson as far as what he's <laughs> capable of doing at the plate
1: one of the best playoff performers in MLB history as well so
0: yeah get get him so getting World an Series opportunity MVP. to get like 3 4 uh, played appearances in a playoff game is like essential. He's our leadoff guy, and he's really friggin' good at it. I think he's third all time in uh, leadoff tacos.
1: I believe so. Yeah, or the, tied for third. Something. The man, he's the very man close. Can hit bombs.
0: He. I. I just. I love this guy. I think he is great, and I think he still has plenty left in the tank. Oh yeah. Uh, I think he will be a Blue Jay for the rest of his career. I would love that. Uh, yeah i would absolutely love that i don't think he gets paid as much though as what he did this time around i think his next contract will be we shall see a little bit less but we'll have to wait and see what how do you feel about uh george springer
1: i love george springer i'm ready for the summer of george 3.0 um (laughs) every his first two years as the blue jay have been obviously uh kind of dealing with injury a little bit and Last year he battled through the elbow issues. He had to get some some bone fragments removed from his elbow this off season. So should be good to go. He's been playing the field in the spring so far. He's been hitting really well. He had a couple of dingers the other day. Um, it seems like uh, like he's adjusted to right field fine. He's played there a lot in his career. So we love that for him. And obviously having Kiermaier and Varsho out there is going to make his job a lot easier. But uh, having having this guy in the lineup every day and I mean, he's going to, he, he, at this point, he's starting the season healthy. And he hasn't done that as a Blue Jay yet, like 100, completely 100%, I don't think. And now he is, and we love that. And hopefully that continues all year. I'd love to get at least, say, 140 games out of him last year. He played I, I think, 133 games is finally missed 29 games overall last year. Not a huge deal. Nice to get him for 140 healthy games, you know. And I'd love to see what kind of numbers he can put up in that. And that kind I of think stretch. he could
0: hit 30. I think he could hit 30 home runs. Oh god, I, I think
1: know. he could hit more than that if he's healthy. I mean, he was in 2021. like you said he hit he hit 22 home runs in 78 games. Yeah. He was on pace to hit like 50 plus that year, uh, over the full season. So yeah, he doesn't have the 50. wheels
0: anymore to steal bases, but we'll still see him yeah, steal stole 14 10 last and year.
1: So I mean, bigger bases this year. The Blue Jays think like they're gonna be aggressive on the paths. So I could see him still getting around in, in that double digits mark for sure. Uh, especially as a leadoff guy who's going to have some chances to get on base, hopefully ahead of the big boppers. So best nice to see him in scoring position more than not. But, yeah, it's, he's, he's the guy you want it's at the top of your lineup for sure. Uh, next guy is fun. I love his spray chart. He's like the left-handed version of, of Marcus Simeon he, or Denny Jansen. Hits everything for power to, to right field for the most part, and that's Dalton Varshow offseason pickup. Of course, we know what he can do defensively uh past couple of years patrick 2021 he was worth 2.3 f4 in 95 games that was his kind of first season in the big leagues as an almost everyday guy once he came up in 2022 he played in 151 games it was worth 4.6 war so he doubled what he did in 2021 hit 27 home runs last year and everything was either to like dead pull right field and there was a couple that went to center field but uh, not a ton of power the other way He'll still spray some doubles that way in a few hits every now and then, but uh, he's a guy who should benefit average-wise from the removal of the infield shifts. So we should see some, maybe a bit of a higher batting average. Last year, he only hit 235. Um, but I mean, he, he is going to strike out about a quarter of the time he's at the plate, but that's what you get when you're a power bat. But the biggest thing for him is his defense. He was 99th percentile outs above average last year and 97th percentile in outfielder jump. Arm strength's not huge for him, but he does have an accurate throwing arm. And of course, he'll be the third slash emergency catcher on this Blue Jays team as well, as he was originally drafted as a catcher by the Diamondbacks uh, and then transitioned into kind of a center field role. that He also did play some in college as well. So just an incredible athlete. He stole uh 16 bases last year and probably has the speed to steal more. And I think he's a guy that the Blue Jays will try to turn loose on the base pass this year as well. So definitely a team that's going to have more speed. And, I mean, had 30 stolen bases between Varsho and Springer last year. I could say that these two will hit at least 40 combined this year. That's my pr- that's one of my predictions. We'll get spicy predictions going next weekend. But, uh, yeah, I think these guys are going to be demons on the base pass. What do you think about Varsho?
0: I think he is Kevin Kiermeyer with plus plus power and that's a good thing yeah I want to see him use his wheels on the base pass I, that average has to come up though that's a that obviously he's definitely aware that a, that's a problem area if you look at his performance across the whole season uh, his last like month month and a half he wasn't great at the plate um, but he has the potential. He could hit 30 home runs. It's totally possible. Uh, I'm very interested to see uh, what he does uh, in the offseason and, and now leading into uh, this season. Um, my expectations are very high for him defensively. I think he could be – it might be like having two George Springers out there uh, defensively. Which oh, is man, pretty... I think
1: he's better than George Springer defensively.
0: He is – uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like, peak George Springer. Fair. because, um, obviously, Springer is a bit older right now. And then between these two and Kiermaier, we, the, the difference in, in defense is, is fucking dramatic. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Gurriel and Taos Gernandez. I miss, I'm gonna miss them both. But this is a different outfield now, one that's faster, uh, And equally as powerful at the plate, equal amount of power. I don't think we lost anything at all with these players. I just think they're now faster and uh, more reliable in the outfield. So I I think we've mega upgraded our outfield. And with all the changes that have happened to the Rogers Center, I think Varsho is, is set up to have a career season.
1: Do you think that he'll benefit from the new outfield dimensions in right field? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I can see any, any guy, anybody who's got power to right center field this year, the bows, the Varshos, the springers, even of course the Vladis who can hit the ball for missiles anywhere. Those guys are going to see an increase in, uh, doubles and hopefully some home runs as well too, to that new right center field porch where the bullpen is. So, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, tell he's me, he's about... also
0: going to be hitting in predominantly hitter-friendly parks for an yeah, entire and season, as opposed to in a the...
1: much stronger lineup than what he ever had in Arizona, too. So that'll yeah, help. Well, him.
0: the NL West has like three pitcher parks. Yeah, that's very true. So Arizona
1: is definitely a hitter's park, but yeah, yeah but Dodger Stadium is not.
0: <laughs> neither is uh, the one in San Francisco. No, you're right. Uh, Coors Field is. <laughs>
1: a hitter's paradise yeah it's like um, mecca for hitters basically but
0: i don't think san diego is necessarily a hitter's park either i'd have to look at the metrics but i think yeah it was pretty pretty split but i mean i don't know i have high hopes for dalton Varsha. i i expect that he will be a dynamic in the outfield and i'd like to see him hit 30 that would be fucking amazing that would be The best we could hope for
1: tell me about the Blue Jays new starting center fielder. Uh,
0: uh, All right. Um, So we signed Kevin Kiermeyer. He is a a center fielder. He's played many years in Tampa. We're familiar with him victimizing uh, (laughs) the Blue Jays for many seasons.
1: (laughs) It's an understatement.
0: He is um, a terrific defender um overwhelmingly positive value defender i have a lot of questions about his offensive performance but uh, he will be batting ninth uh no matter what the situation is unless he's like pinch hitting for someone who got injured or something i don't know i can't think of any other scenario (laughs) uh he only was in 63 games last year uh, and he, he did hit seven home runs, which was more than he hit the previous season in 122 games. So uh, double the games, but uh, he actually hit close to double the number of home runs uh, in, in fewer games. So that was interesting. He's got wheels. He is fast around the base paths. Um, Justin, to be honest with you, seeing a decline in his, his, his walks and an increase in his strikeouts is concerning. Uh, I've always been very uh, concerned about whether or not this signing is going to work out the way that they expect, but he overwhelmingly adds to the defense, which was the biggest problem area. I don't know. Is he expected to be exclusively in center field?
1: Yeah, I believe if he's in the lineup, he'll likely be in center field. I wouldn't see a Mm -hmm. reason to put him elsewhere if he's in the lineup, just based on... the track record of being a platinum glove <laughs> winner yes that's true uh, but i
0: mean if if we're missing i don't can Whit field play left field
1: yes and he will this year they've already said that Interesting. Uh, okay he'll 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 be a he'll be an outfield kind of super utility guy whereas biggio will probably spend most of his time in right field if he's out there okay that
0: makes perfect sense that's the position be- that
1: biggio is familiar well, with. my question
0: is related really to the fact that what if varsho either has to dh or catch on an emergency basis, or is just not available? Yeah. Can Kevin Kiermaier...
1: Because yeah.
0: someone has to play in left field.
1: Well, yeah. I, it would probably be Maryfield.
0: But what if Maryfield isn't available?
1: Well, then you probably move Springer over there, then, and put Biggio in right. Okay. But Fair I enough. Know, I think what's... That's that's not really something to worry about. <laughs>
0: no, but I'm I'm just wondering can Kevin Kiermaier
1: play left field? That's my question. I wouldn't see why not, but I don't know why you'd want to put him there because it's kind of be a waste of his his talents. Yes. Um okay. he does have 94th percentile arm strength, so he does have the strongest arm of any of the Blue Jays cannon. outfielders. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's quick, he can track it down, he can throw like he's the if there yeah you're totally right if there is a hole in this blue jays offense it is him and that's why he'll be at the bottom um he's for what it's worth he's having a great spring with the bat it's only 22 at bats but he's hitting 545 obviously super sustainable but uh yeah i mean the power is not really going to be a big thing Um, injuries were a problem last. injuries have been a problem for the last few years really i mean 20 uh, 18 2017 he played less than 100 games he played 129 in 2019 49 in the shortened 60 game season in 2020 then 122 then 63 so he hasn't played 150 games since 2015 so he hasn't played a really a full season since then is um, he expected
0: to play is he expected to be an everyday player this year
1: that's the thing that we don't really know yet we're not sure how it'll look if there's, say, a lefty on the mound, maybe they'll only put one of Kiermaier and Varsho in the starting lineup. Uh, and whichever one of them it would be, I, I would guess they'd be in center field because you may want to get Merrifield in the lineup those days or, or uh, an Espinal, especially, at second base. So if you have both Espinal and Merrifield in the lineup, Merrifield's going to be in the outfield because Espinal's going to be on the infield. You're not going to take Bo or Chappie or Vladdy out for Espinal's because they're all right-handed bats. So those will be the days where I would guess Kiermaier will likely take the bench because I do believe that with Varsho's pop potential, I think he's more of an everyday player than Kiermaier, uh, more of an all-situation guy. So that would be my take on it anyway. I don't know if you agree with that.
0: I'm good with that for now. I mean, it's, well, we're just going to have to wait to see yeah. what some of these scenarios
1: are. For what it's worth, talk about um, Kiermaier did, does have – pretty much identical career splits lefties and righties he actually hits lefties uh, two average points better but he has less home runs against them so i mean it wouldn't it's not a huge issue and last year he actually had better numbers against lefties average batting average wise but again had zero home runs against them so it turns into more of I'm, a slap hitter against lefties which isn't i'll tell you what thing. it is
0: for me i'm very nervous about the prospect of having another bradley zimmer situation uh, it's not going to be that bad <laughs> no it's not uh, <laughs> but it still makes me nervous when we make these types of yeah. signings I, I, don't I, know. I mean obviously last year was a disaster for zim um
1: can't flim flam the zim zam
0: <laughs> zooms in. But he's hitting something like 300 in in spring training with uh, I think it's the Dodgers. So good for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is there. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't I'm not worried too much about uh what the what ifs at this point. Fair enough. Let's but, talk about yeah. your guy Cabin Biggio. Yeah, let's talk about Kevin Uh <laughs> um, I want to say
0: one thing before yes. you start. And if you've ever heard this phrase you'll understand shit or get off the pot. Oh yeah. All right. Tell me about Kevin Biggio.
1: Yes. So as Patrick said, Kevin Biggio does kind of need to shit or get off the pot this year. Um, after kind of a strong 2019 and a strong 2020, he has fallen off the past couple of years, battling some injuries and inconsisten- in- inconsistency at the plate still has great plate vision. One of the best in the league. Uh, his walk rate the past years has been 12.6 and 12.5, so no really changes there. Does strike out at 28% of the time, which is, is, is which is Whoa. quite high. Last year in 97 games, he was still worth 1.3 F4 Patrick as uh not a, a non-everyday player, which is still overwhelmingly positive. He'd be a two or more WAR player over a full season. For reference, in 2019, when he played in 100 games after getting called up, he was worth 2.7 F4 that year um that year he hit 234 which I think is around the batting average we can hope to expect from Kevin Biggio last year he only hit 202 there were some stretches where he would hit quite well and then there were some where he wouldn't hit at all even with that 202 batting average he still had an on base of 318 which is higher than both Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho's OPSs from last year so make of that what you will has incredible utility value, has been playing first base, second base, and the outfield this spring. We know he can play third base, but shouldn't uh, <laughs> after the 2021 season. We didn't even know that's not a thing, but uh, does have some power. He's trying to get back to that again this year. Uh, so far in the spring, he is doing reasonably well, Patrick. Uh, his numbers at this point, he does have one home run, and he's got uh, 10 hits so far for a 313 batting average. Uh, would love to see, obviously the batting average isn't going to be 300 all season, but again, another lefty, Varsho, Kiermaier, and Biggio, who mm. will likely benefit from the extreme shift be not being a factor anymore, as he does pull the majority of his balls to right field. Yep. Uh, a guy who is fast, 91st levels, or, or 81st level uh, are percentile sprint speed, and 94th percentile outs above average. Not a super strong arm, but that's the reason why he'll be in second base and right field is there aren't many long throws from there or kind of as the, I guess, third first baseman these days with Brandon Belt's now in the fold. But uh, a guy who will likely play in 100 or more games this year, a- if healthy, probably close to 120 because uh, he might not start as many games, but he'll definitely be a guy who is off the bench or in a pinch running situation as he is a very intelligent base runner, so... Super important for the Blue Jays this year. And, and yeah, it is it is a year, a, a prove-it year for Biggio as so he needs to showcase why he uh, has been so highly thought of in the organization. So that's my that's my two cents on him anyway.
0: I think I agree with, with that assessment. I, I would add on just by saying that the second base job was his until it wasn't last year and obviously santiago espinal the first half of the season we've talked about this before many times had a great first half of the year um had some struggles in the second half he got the all-star nod cambigio on the other hand was he had some big ups and downs i think the big thing with him is He's not getting a chance to to do what he does. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. He has wheels. He should be able to steal bases. Uh, I think in 2020 or 2019, whatever it was, like before the pandemic, like he was, he was, like, he could have been a 2020 guy. 20 home runs, 20 solo bases. He has the capability, he has the power, uh, or he had it. I don't know what happened. But um, the play vision is just elite. It's, it's yeah. as good as his dad's. It's pretty yeah. friggin' good. The problem is he strikes out like he's Teoscar Hernandez, but he, he hits like he's an injured Kevin Kiermaier. It's really, <laughs> it's really hard to, to explain. It's like when he gets on a heater, though, he's so dangerous. But it's like uh, for whatever reason, he just can't get it all together for an extended period of time. Maybe it's injuries. I I don't know. I have high hopes though. Like I yeah. this is a guy that I believe in, that for I sure. believe he has the capability of being a player that can be relied upon. I don't know if he is a uh, a 750 OPS player. I think that's very ambitious at this point. It's hard to but, say,
1: I mean, with with the on-base skills I mean, if you look, yeah, back, but he, it's they, the average. Yeah, I know. But even if you look back at uh, the 2019 season, yeah. when he when he hit 234, he had a 364 on base and then a 429 slug. That was close to 800 OPS that year, just because of the high on base skills. And yeah, I mean, but we that was only 16 dingers that year too. <laughs>
0: If we're if we want to talk like that, we can go back and look at Lourdes Gurriel Junior.'s Yeah, we can. You're we, right. We never would have traded him in the first place. But what I'm getting at is just like, Kevin has all the tools to be a very good baseball player.
1: Mm-hmm. An everyday he's player. He's not.
0: He's not Craig Biggio, but he's he's a different kind of player. And I think that he has the capability of hitting 20 home runs. Yeah. Even as a replace or borderline. Replace Honestly, I'd player. be happy
1: with like. 10 home runs and just a bit of a higher batting average because you get him on base and he has that base ring intelligence and skill to make an impact
0: yes he does i think if he can get it together at the plate i mean if he if he hit 240 oh my word he'd be <laughs> close to to worth two and a half f4
1: oh yeah yeah you're right i 100 agree with that and I, and I think i think he can do it yeah i, think he I can. agree I think because of the the left handedness too, we will see him quite a bit. I think they'll they'll give him a pretty good run at least to start the season against some right handers, especially uh, when Espinal doesn't really perform well against righties. You might see Biggio start the majority of those games at second base yep. or with Merrifield for that matter. But he'll but, be uh, batting eighth. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that because nope, if, you get, if you can get if with his on-base skills, I mean even last year only ha- with a 3.18 on base, it was still 116 points higher than his average. You bring that average up a bit, he could be on base 350 or better, right? It's the potential like you said is there. And I mean, you get him on on base before the lineup turns over to get Springer some more RBI opportunities and the rest is history. So
0: You know what Kevin Kiermaier said recently? He said, "I want to be the best hitting ninth uh, yeah. Like nine spot guy uh, in baseball this year. I wanna, I wanna be, you know, moving. Right. When the leadoff gets the hit, like I wanna be sp- like fucking sprinting <laughs> the base paths. Exactly. Yeah, and I, that's, that's a great mentality I'm paraphrasing uh, the quote. It's not. Yeah, yeah, quick, But yeah. I mean, there there is an article out there about Kiermaier talking about how he wants to be the best mm-hmm. nine hole spot, and the idea of having Cavan... I don't know. I don't know if he tries to craft himself, like to be a specific kind of hitter, or if he just gets a little loosey goosey and just see what he could do.
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna have to just let it be free, you know. Um,
0: I mean, time's running out.
1: Yeah, he's yeah he's he's running out. Uh, I mean, he's he's twenty seven already because he went to he went to college. He's a bit of an older guy. He's still got this year and next year of. Or sorry, two more, two more years of, of control, right? He's a free agent in 2026, 20, just like Vladia Bo. So still, the team still has him for the cheap for a couple more seasons after this for 24 I, and 25. So there's no, there's no rush to get him out of the equation if he's performing well.
0: Can I say one thing, and I want to see if you agree with me or not. Would you say he is the most disposable player that we have highlighted thus far? disposable in that most trade i guess i should shouldn't say disposable i mean he's the player that i could see us most likely to trade one way or the other because while he gives us flexibility he's also probably the least valuable in terms of performance-based metrics
1: yeah it's with with the if with brandon if brandon belt wasn't in the in the picture then i would say Uh, yes no yes yes. but because biggio would be the backup first baseman in that situation yeah that's right but i think i think with what you've just outlined the question you've asked i would say yes at this point in this current situation for sure um
0: i don't think he finishes the year with us i think he gets dealt
1: interesting that's a that's a hot take
0: it is a hot take
1: Save it for the podcast. I next want weekend. you
0: to, I want you to talk about Whit Merrifield as well, though. Yeah. Because I want to do the last thing. I think sure. That'll be kind of sexy. So. Yeah. Let's. You, uh, you Whit Merrifield.
1: Let's talk about Whit. So, Whit's, Whit Merrifield is a very interesting player. Patrick Marsh. Yes, he is. In twenty six or twenty twenty one, he played in every game for the Kansas City Royals. He had seven hundred and twenty plate appearances that year. He was worth three WAR. Um, even though his offensive value kind of declined. For his career, he's a 102 WRC plus player and 18.3 cumulative war. He's plen- been in the league since 2016. This will be his eighth season as a big leaguer. Uh, in 2022, he played 83 games at second base, 40 in right, 18 in center field, mostly with the Blue Jays, 18 in left field. He DH'd five times and even played first base twice with Kansas City. He's another super utility guy. And he's 34. He's right-handed. In 2019, he led the league in hits, Patrick Marsh. He had 134 hits, or, 100 or 206 hits that year, excuse me, 139 of them were singles. The year before, he had 192 hits. 2021, he had 184. So he's not even that far removed from having a, a really good offensive season. Last year, he got off to a really slow start. He managed to bring that batting average up to 250 by the end of the year and was worth 1.5 F4. Now, if we look at his time with the Blue Jays, it didn't get off to the best start in August. He only hit 211, but over the last month and a bit, September and October, he hit 338. He got hot right around the same time as Bo Bichette. And he kind of showed why he led the league and hits. He's, he's he's actually still the lead leader in hits since 2019, but he had 23 hits in that final month of the season, Patrick Marsh, with nine of them being for extra bases. Um, and is definitely a guy who can steal steal some bases for you, too. Now, his value is in the fact that right now, as the roster stands, he, him and George Springer are the only right-handed guys who will play in the outfield this year. Because Biggio, Kiermaier, and Varsho are all left-handed hitters. So he's still gonna he's him and him and Biggio are still gonna get a ton of time of, to play, because they're gonna play really on opposite days. Because if there's a lefty on the mound, Espinal's in there. And Biggio's not to start. And you might see, like we just talked about a bit ago, you might see one of Kiermaier or Varsho sit on those lefty days. So Merrifield's gotta be in the lineup there because he'll be playing probably left field um and yeah he's going to he, these th- there's going to be plenty of playing time for all three of Biggio, Merrifield, and Espinal because they kind of have opposite opposite day theme you know where if, if Biggio's in there Espinal's probably not so it's it's a really good situation for the Blue Jays to be in because they're not going to have there's no really lesser option among these three in my opinion they're all very good major leaguers they're all starters on other teams for sure full time and they're all going to play at least 120 games in my opinion but the thing i like about wit he's a veteran he's been around obviously um a guy who has the capability to hit a ton of baseballs he hits it to all fields which we do like most of his power is to left field though but the sprint speed is there the outfielder jump is there the whiff rate is, is is like is low and the k rate is low so he, while he does not have a ton of power and like average exit velocity metrics things like that he's a guy who can slap the ball around find ways to get on base and we saw in limited time what he can do on the base paths he's he leads the league in stolen bases of third base basically in his entire his, his over the course of his career he's got more stu- steals of third than anybody else in baseball he's a very intelligent base runner and has stolen uh 45 bases or 40 bases twice in his career most recently in 2021 battled some issues last year but hopefully with him being fully healthy he's a guy who these new uh pitch clock with like the only only throw over to first base twice before it's an automatic ball or a balk basically um and these new pitch timers i think he's going to be a guy who really benefits on the base pass this year with his intelligence that's what I got. I, I like this guy a lot. I'm super excited that they that they when they traded for him, that he had an extra year of control, because it'll give them a chance to utilize all his tools. Yeah, that's me.
0: He's a valuable tool. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see a full year of Whit Merrifield. Can we talk about his spray chart? I'm very confused. I don't understand what's happening uh, between second and third base. It's like there's a giant <laughs> like hole. That must be where the shortstop lives. But then there's like a ton of singles that that <laughs> got through uh, the second and third baseman, like a, mm-hmm. like an mm-hmm. alarming number. And then a ton of singles up the middle, and then a crazy number of opposite field singles. So. It shows me he's just a smart hitter, um, maybe with a bit of a seeing-eye bat. But also, he is a tough out. He does not strike out very often, uh, even though we saw a little bit of an increase last year up to Mm 15.5. I think a majority of the season, though, he he was with... uh, kansas city that's right we're off who are awful um <laughs> the walk rate came up marginally um and while the average declined i would like to see what he does this year i i think the average will pop right back up and uh i think a fully healthy whitmerry field fully vaccinated uh, whitmerry field uh can definitely get back to stealing you know the a comparable number of bases i don't think I don't think his wheels are gone.
1: No, I don't expect him to steal forty either. But I mean, no, but 20, he will steal more great. than sixteen for sure.
0: Because yeah. uh, he still has the speed. Uh, he just he doesn't swing and miss, and he's a, he's a tough out. He does not strike out. So if he finds a little bit more patience in his game, I think he's going to be one of those guys you just you get so annoyed with because if it's in the zone, he's going to slap it for a single. And then he's gonna steal second and then he's gonna steal third and you're gonna be like well this sucks he's just he's a guy i've wanted on this team probably since we started the podcast i think i've mentioned his name like in our very first like off season where i was like let's go get whit merrifield um (laughs) and now we have him and even though he's on you know he's had a couple of uh, tough seasons I, i still think could you imagine getting a stat line from him similar to what what he did in twenty twenty one? I I would be thrilled.
1: Yeah, it'd be it be outstanding. Ninety
0: seven runs, seventy four RBIs, forty stolen bases. Jesus. For our for our <laughs> seven hitter. Yeah. Holy crap.
1: Hey, it's it's uh. There's a lot of risk on this Blue Jays roster. Yeah, but which, it's. But there's a lot of. I think the floor is still pretty high though. The guys. only
0: risks really is like is Whit Merrifield back to form? Can Kevin Kiermaier hit better than 220? And then is Brandon Belt healthy or not? And if yeah. he's not healthy, well then Cabin is just going to be the backup first baseman.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like the floor the floor is low and the ceiling is like there is really no ceiling <laughs> for some of these guys. Um,
0: I think Whit Merrifield is going to be a guy that is in between his last two seasons for performance.
1: Please, yeah. I, I
0: would be surprised if the average goes way up, though. I just think he'll be able to take advantage more of the lack of shift. I think he hit into the shift quite a bit last year in the infield, if I'm reading the spray chart correctly. Um. And, yeah, he's got the opposite. Yeah, He can slap something opposite field, which is really impressive. Career 285 I never hitter.
1: That. So if he gets somewhere near that, we'd be really happy what's that career 285 batting average so he gets within 15 points of that if he get back to 270 yeah we'll be we'll be laughing
0: oh my god i'd be thrilled i'd be so happy i'd be like this is the best (laughs)
1: um final spot patrick there's three guys we've got on here who we feel are still in the running for this final spot what what who do we have
0: this this is interesting I'm really excited about this conversation because this is it. This is the last roster spot we have to talk about, and there is not any. But there's no guarantee. There's no extra player that we've signed. There's no Rymel Tapia. There's no. There's. There's no Bradley Zimmer. This is just open competition amongst all of our prospects. Although I think it's it's unfair to label uh, Nathan Lucas a, a, a prospect.
1: Yeah, he he's, would he's anymore. He's a he's a minor leaguer.
0: Yep, yeah, but he's got all the tools he would possibly need to be a good uh, major league baseball replacement level player. So yeah. l- let's talk about him first. Sure. Uh, I think you've meant you've been more of an advocate for him than I have. So if you want to talk yeah, about definitely. him, yeah, um, definitely.
1: So yeah, Nathan Lucas is 29 years old, Patrick, and he's spent the entirety of his baseball career in minor league baseball. He has yet to make it to the show but what he's done in the past couple of years has been pretty tremendous actually and i mean he's he hit 303 in 85 games in 2021 only four home runs though and only stole two bases now with the buffalo bison's last year his is first year of the blue jay's system he hit 285 patrick but he hit al- had 11 home runs over 118 111 games and stole 20 bases uh, The on-base percentage was 364, the slug was 425, that OPS is just below just below 800. Um, the walk rate was up to 9.7, and the strikeouts were below 20% at 18.4. Uh, the strikeout rate was up 6% over the year before, and the walk rate was up 3.5%. So fine increases there. It's a guy who's a left-handed bat, again, another left-hander, and he's a primary center fielder, uh, but he plays every outfield position by nature. Uh, The issue with Nathan Lucas making this team is that the outfield would be really left-handed heavy more so than it already is. But depending on how the Blue Jays want to construct their roster, if they want another guy who can be an everyday uh, outfielder, Nathan Lucas would be the more logical guy to put on the roster for that reason is that is his primary position. He's fantastic in the outfield. Um, and i hope that he stays even if he doesn't make this roster i hope he does stay in the organization this year and doesn't uh, like re- elect for free agency or request a trade or something because i do think that he is a guy who is on like that he's on that he's on the name f- the first name on that bus ticket or that plane ticket from buffalo when any, anything does happen to a major leaguer he'll be the guy who comes up to replace them as uh, on the bench or in the in the lineup even so i'm a huge fan of this guy i'd love to see him get a shot uh love stories about how guys battle in the minor leagues for 10 years and then make it to the show. Uh, and I hope that, uh, that John birdie. Didn't yeah. He, Johnny we hustle.
0: Had, we, we saw this story. Yeah. Uh,
1: he's not he's still in my, he's, and he's still playing for Miami and he had a relatively great season last year. He put up a couple F war, I believe. So
0: he was, he was 2.5 B war. His OPS was 89, which is not what you want. But, um,
1: yeah. It's I just cuz
0: he has no power but it, Bernie also stole 41 bases. Yeah,
1: he's he's got he's he's Johnny Hustle <laughs> but uh New Hampshire Fisher Cats legend. But uh yeah, I mean I, I I would love to see Lucas get a shot with the Blue Jays and if if he doesn't I I hope that he does get a shot somewhere cuz he's got some game. I mean, you don't hit 300 um if you don't have game even though it is AAA, it's it's still it's still a 300 batting average and he still has that speed and the on-base skills to to be an effective league average or slightly below player so i hope he does get a shot somewhere
0: i feel very similarly to you but i'll say this i see him getting dealt before the season starts and i think he gets traded it's to possible. a team like pittsburgh
1: yeah it's it's very possible i mean i i hope he gets a shot i'd love to see it with the blue jays yeah, but uh, he deserves it he deserves to play in the major leagues and Wherever that happens, I'll be happy for him. So
0: I I would love to see him in Pittsburgh, not because I don't want to see him on the Jays, but because Otto Lopez is like five or six years younger, and I just think it makes sense to go with the younger guy. But then I think you I think you do right by Nathan Lucas, and I think you trade him to a team like Pittsburgh that are rebuilding and have a roster spot for him and he would actually be really serviceable they did it a couple of years ago with anthony alford now it didn't quite work out for for anthony alford but
1: yeah yeah
0: and nathan lucas is 29 like i just yeah I, he'll be, he'll be like 29
1: in july so I, I was rounding up but yeah he's 28 now but he'll be 21 in a, or 29 similarly in to months.
0: birdie i'd like to see him like get the opportunity somewhere else and I would strongly prefer he go to a national league team as opposed to an American league team for (laughs) obvious reasons. And I just think he's just going to get John birdie where he'll go somewhere else and then he'll have a couple great seasons or, or build up. Yeah. I I just don't see, I, I I like what he has. He can hit for average. He has wheels. He is very serviceable. Uh, I'm probably underselling it in the outfield, but it's like you said, he, I don't think there's enough utility the same way there is out of Otto Lopez. And I think Otto Lopez is also a better hitter. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I just think he's just going to get dealt to another team. I don't think he's going to crack this team. If I'm wrong and he makes a team, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm happy. Sure. Because I think he could play a, a role on this team, especially if an outfielder gets hurt. It gives us more flexibility. That being said, I'd rather he get to play 100 games somewhere else than be like Bradley Zimmer la- last year where he was just coming off the bench here and there
1: and not, and not getting well. enough
0: time <laughs> to get hot at the yeah. plate. Like yeah. I, I I just don't want to see that happen to him.
1: For sure. So. Uh, next guy, tell me about this guy. He, he just finished playing for Canada in the World Baseball Classic and it will turn 25 in October, so he's still only 24 years old.
0: Uh, I believe he is number two or three for prospects for us.
1: Uh, not number two, because I believe that's Brandon Barria.
0: Right. No, I thought Barria was three. Well, you can look it up while I talk about him. It's Otto Lopez. Uh, he will end up being a utility player for us. He can play middle infield. He could play third, I believe. Um, but he's a shortstop. Um, which we already have one, but last couple seasons in AAA, he's been terrific. Uh, 289 in 2021, 297 in 2022, the uh, on-base percentage climbed 31 points between seasons. So last year, he was about an 800 OPS player, just shade under 800 OPS. Uh, He doesn't really have power. Uh, he's a contact hitter, but he's got wheels, and uh, he has great plate vision, or at least he has had it in AAA. The strikeouts are quite low. Uh, I just think he's ready to go. I think it's time for him to get the the promotion. Uh, I I see him as being comparable to Santiago Espinal as far as what he could do with the plate. In fact, I I would say he's a better contact hitter than Espinal defensively i didn't get enough into the the numbers to tell you whether or not he is santiago espinal defensively although very few are um i just like him i've always liked him i think this is his time i think it's this is it this is the opportunity he's 25 years old he he's uh, you know he's he's got all the tools to be a great bench player and if he gets more playing time because of an injury I feel confident. He's already had a cup of coffee in the majors, and he did okay. So, I don't know. I I think this is his spot to win. This is me.
1: And prospect rankings, uh, newly updated here. Fangraphs actually has him at number nine in the Blue Jays system. The only player ahead of him who is older than him is Josfer Zulueta. At uh, eighth spot, he's like six months older than Otto. Everyone else uh, above Otto is younger than him pipeline has him actually all the way down at number 14 now and same situations are the way it does the only guy ahead of him who is older uh than Otto lopez so I, I think it's kind of an age thing and the fact that he's already like you said had that cup of coffee in the show he's um, been good yeah and i mean he, he yeah i mean it limited playing time but uh had uh <laughs> hit 667 in 10 plate appearances so uh when he, w- when he was given a chance last year he was able to get uh, yeah, six hits and 10 plate appearances. So we like that for him. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy with Otto Lopez too. He had a really good World Baseball Classic for Canada. Hit a home run, had a triple, played some good defense. Primarily a middle infielder, but does have the ability to play melt field as well too. So another utility bat, um, which I, I agree with you. I think he's probably got the leg up on Nathan Lucas right now due to the fact that he does have that utility and i think if if the blue jays kind of keep their roster as is right now um their bench bats would be biggio um espinal danny jansen and then whoever is this this other guy i mean if it's lucas i'll give them a, a nice split of two righties and two lefties on the bench but if it's auto it'll give them more utility so it's hard to say. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like I said before, when we were talking about Nathan Lucas. It's going to depend on what the Blue Jays want their roster to, to be like. If, do they want that increased flexibility? Then, yes, it'll be Otto Lopez. Do they want outfield insurance right away? Then, it'll be Nathan Lucas. So Who do you think is the better hitter? between Nathan Lucas and Otto Lopez? That's that's a really good question. Um, it's tough, isn't it? It's a tough question because, I mean, they both had comparable stats last year. I mean, Otto played his full year at AAA outside of a few games at A-Ball as he was rehabbing from an injury. And then those uh, 10 plate appearances in Toronto hit 297 in AAA, 114 WRC+. plus. So, yeah, pretty good numbers. He's, his walk rate's fine at 10%. And it's a little bit higher than Lucas's actually. Um. So I mean, it's it's tough to it's always tough to compare a lefty to a righty. And Lucas will have a bit more power than than Otto. Not that he has yeah, a ton, oh yeah. but Otto only hit what like three home runs at Triple A last year versus Lucas's eleven. Yeah, Lucas has um, the edge
0: on power and technique. I mean, if you want yeah. to be really technical, he did steal more bases than Otto Lopez. So he he had sure. a, more opportunity to use the wheels. Otto, in f- uh. I don't know. Otto had comparable stats as far as runs, ribby, stolen bases. It's it th- those are kind of a wash. He hit a little bit better for average, and a little bit better, very slightly better, with walks and uh, very slightly better as far as not striking out. Yeah, it's so close between the two of them. It's really hard to tell. I think Otto Lopez's performance in the World Baseball Classic might actually play a factor in the decision, which is kind of
1: it'll help Crazy. him for sure yeah it won't help oh, him yeah because i mean if he if he doesn't go to wbc he gets into more spring games at the jays but yeah. he was a starter for team canada and performed well so he's uh, been good in spring training too yeah and, and faced off against some some good pitchers in, in in against mexico and against the united states especially so he did well against against good talent um the third guy that we're gonna put on this list is really a long shot but a guy that we're definitely going to be watching as the season goes along in the minor leagues. And that's Addison Barger. He's currently ranked on prospect lists. Uh, he's number six on MLB pipeline for the blue Jays, Patrick Marsh. Hmm. And he is number two on Fangraphs graphs, uh, list of blue Jay prospects this year behind only Ricky Tiedemann on that list. Now he made it to triple a last year after starting the season in a ball, he worked up his way through double a all the way to triple a, so it had a really uh meteoric rise last year, you would say, and really improved at every level. Uh over the course of the season. Twenty six home runs, hit just above three hundred. I mean, it was it was a tremendous year for him. His WRC plus and only thirty six plate appearances at AAA was at one ninety two. It was one forty seven and two hundred plate appearances in, at double A and one forty nine and two and almost three hundred plate appearances in, in a in high A ball. So did really well at every level last year um, his walk rate actually improved as he went up every level and his strikeouts went down so it's it, he's, he seems to be a pretty good hitter and plays left side of the infield primary third base also some shortstop uh, another right-handed bat oh no sorry left-handed bat excuse me that he throws right-handed one of those reverse guys he's 23 and a half uh, november 1999 birthday and was a sixth overall pick by the jays in 2018 so he's been in the system now for four years how old is he uh 23 he'll turn 20 he'll turn 24 in november so later this year so he's fresh so 23 just, year old
0: yeah it's his 20 year 23 season then. yeah
1: this is uh this is his fifth full year if you count the if you if you don't count the pandemic because there was no baseball played that year right. so this will be his fifth season but sixth in the organization now uh, since he, he actually did get into, into some complex games the year he was drafted. Um, I mean, this, this is a guy who the Jays took as a high schooler and he's, perform- he's performed relatively well. He got off to a pretty slow start his first season. He hit below 200 at rookie ball, but the next year he hit 283. He's improved every year. Uh, the power numbers have improved every year as he's filled out a bit, he's six feet 210 so he's, he's not he's not a super tall guy. But I mean above average height of course, but for a big leaguer, I'd say just below average. and but I mean he's a, he's a pretty big dude if, you s- if you've seen any pictures that the beat reporters have been posting around, he's he's pretty jacked. Um, so yeah he's, he's definitely a guy who takes the, the physicality of the game seriously. Um, not a ton of speed on the base pass. so he stole nine bases across all three levels last year. So not a huge speed guy, but as a guy who can hit for some pop, he's got that, that exit velocity. I've, I've, I haven't seen any like real data on him, but the video that I have seen, that the ball does come off his bat pretty good. And as a lefty, I mean, we, we know we can never have too many lefties in, in the American League East because you're going to run into a lot of elite right-handed starters and relievers especially. So a, a guy to watch out for. And we've talked about Matt Chapman, Patrick, being a free agent after this year. And there will, it's, it's, I would love to see Matt Chapman as a Blue Jay long term, but in the event that he is not, Addison Barger could be a guy who knocks on the door and could be the Blue Jays starting third baseman in 2024 if, if the trajectory kind of pans out for him. So, um, probably not a guy who's going to make this roster because they're going to want to get him everyday playing time in Buffalo, but a guy who, again, is one of the first names on the call up list if anything does go, go wrong at the big league level to somebody. So, it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, so he's making this competition more interesting than it should be because really I think it's a, a two player race. But Barger is uh, what I he reminds me of Ricky in that he's making the conversation more difficult than it has to be. But I yeah. think that's a yeah. it's a good thing we'll when you that. have a player that that's young, pushing that hard because it shows that they're a baller it shows they've got something to play for um i think you're right i think he'll probably play the whole year in AAA. I wish he was a year further in his development mm-hmm. 2020 really screwed him over really screwed over most minor leaguers but um because we're reaching a point now where Matt Chapman is in his final year. And that that man is going to get paid a lot of money to yes. play third base somewhere. And if we have a Matt Chapman replacement in the wings, we don't have to you know, pay Matt Chapman $35 million uh, because we still got to pay Bo and Vladdy. And I don't know if the money's going to be there to pay Chappie. And Addison Barger may be the third baseman of the future so the more we see him succeed the better I feel about the future of the team not just for 2023 but for the year after that and the year after that and the year after that especially if he's the real deal so I like that he makes the conversation more difficult you're right though he'll play the entire season in AAA um, but i I wouldn't say that he uh, is outside the realm of possibility of debuting in MLB this season. If it would take a, at least a couple of injuries, but sure, can you imagine twenty-four-year-old Addison Barger at third base next year? I sure can. <laughs> I can, but it's it's a big risk. So, and I obviously Chappie's going to want big term, big dollars. And I I I love him. I wish he could play here for a million years but we got to look at internal options as far as like cost effectiveness i just wish barger was like a year further ahead than what he is right now because i just want to see a full like a 100 plus games of him in triple a to see if this is for real like if he's like if he's hitting like 400 if he's on an absolute fucking heater two months into the uh, minor league season He's getting called up.
1: Yeah, it's it's, like it's definitely like a possibility. I mean, it oh, depends. Yeah. It depends what who's who else is on the roster at that time, what they're doing. But I would love to see him just rake a A this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you made a really good point of you need to have these internal competitions and internal candidates because you look at teams who have won the World Series recently and they've been like the houston astros of course who did a great job of drafting the altuves the springers the Bregmans, the Correas, right they bring up all these guys internally you get them on on for cheap and then you can bring in the veterans like the verlanders and pay them more money um the jays are going to have to look at paying Vladimir bow in the next couple of seasons so they're going to need the next wave of internal candidates to come through the system so that they can afford to construct the roster because although the payroll for Rogers could be a lot higher and likely will have to be as the, as payrolls and contracts keep going up, you have to have internal uh, draftees and, and free agent signings from the international crowd coming up because you need to have the next wave because these guys, everyone gets older every year, right? I mean, you need to have the young talent coming through the organization because you cannot solely build a winner through free agency and through trades. You have to do a good job of developing and I think Barger, Lopez are two guys who are, are really are products of a really good Blue Jays system. And especially with the new development complex in Dunedin. Uh the Blue Jays have all the tools at their disposal now and like the revamped Salem field that the Blue Jays having to play there in, in Buffalo during the pandemic. Like they've Which got Which is
0: a great minor league field.
1: Yeah, they've got great minor league facilities now. Vancouver at Nat Bailey Stadium is a great like historic ballpark. Um, in New Hampshire, uh, in, the, in Manchester, that they have a great stadium. Obviously, th- in, in Florida, they've got the complex. So, I mean, and TD Ballpark got some upgrades, too, because the Blue Jays also played there in, during the pandemic. So the Blue mm-hmm. Jays are, in terms of minor league facilities, they, they may be the best in baseball right now. Just oh, it's the been fact a quantum
0: they, leap forward. And you know who's yeah, been at the, the helm that for that? that?
1: Mark Shapiro. Shapiro
0: <laughs> and Atkins, the same guys that got yeah. tons of criticism. Yeah, well, Mark Shapiro
1: is behind the renovations to Rogers Center, too. He talked yeah. about from the beginning that, that that was, that those were those were things that he wanted to do was build the player development complex, so that we could really have this next wave. I mean, we saw what Vladimir and Bo did without these player development complexes, and now guys like Tiedemann and Brandon Baria, uh, and Otto Lopez and Elvis Martinez have all benefited from this these minor league facilities the past couple of seasons, and that's going to continue to to happen as we go forward. So. This team is in a great position to win now, obviously, with the, the Major League talent they have on their roster. And the fact that we have these three uh, guys, in Lucas, Lopez, and Barger, competing for the last bench spot, when Lopez and Lucas could all be starting in, on most Major League ball clubs, especially Lopez, um, it's, it's awesome. It's tremendous. <laughs> it's very exciting. A
0: part of me almost wants Barger to make this team because i want to see him get reps but you're right like he's it's got to be AAA. I think it's just i just i just want to be ready because i i don't think we're going to be able to re-sign matt chapman i just don't think the money's going yeah. to be there and i hope that people remember how much money this team has already invested in players like i know like Ryu's contract comes off the books and uh but you're gonna to have to renegotiate deals with because uh, vladdy is year to year until he's a free agent. I know they're done with Bo until he's a free agent, which is good. But you still got the Kirks and the Manoas. You're gonna, they're going to be owed money. And uh, Danny Jansen also, the longer that he plays for us, also gets increases in his contract until he becomes a free agent. So like, we have to l- figure out, are we going to lock up him? Are we going to stick with all these guys? Are we going to trade them before their free agency? How does it work? So, it's like, the thing is, it's almost like the theme of this year is all about flexibility. And all three of these guys that we've highlighted here give the team great flexibility. Certainly more than they got last year out of their bench players. Um, I'm really excited because two of these guys are 25 and younger. And they can play more than one position. Um, And... I think they can both play third base. Although it's gonna it's Barger. Barger is the third baseman. We it's just I don't know, man. We need somebody's gotta play third next year. I'm not confident it's Matt Chapman. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he signs an extension right away. I who fucking knows. But yeah.
1: hard to say. We have but, to be uh... ready
0: for, for for every possible scenario. And Barger kinda makes us ready for every possible scenario. So, for sure, I don't know. Yeah, my pick is Otto Lopez. Yeah, to win I think
1: the I think that's the way that I I would in the power rankings uh for these three I would put Otto Lucas and then Barger third, uh, just because of the fact that they want Barger to probably play every day. Um, between Lopez and Lucas, I have no real preference either way. I will defer to the major league experts that are the Toronto Blue Jays as I think that whatever decision they make will be the right one to start the year. And we know that if, um, if any of either of them struggle or doesn't get enough playing time, or if there's another injury that happens that the other guy's probably coming up behind them. So, uh, having the the depth in, in that side of things is nice. And of course you're going to have guys like Spencer Horwitz who played for Israel in the world baseball classic. who got, who got some, some quality experience there. Who's going to be a first baseman at AAA this year. And, if anything were to happen to Belty or to God forbid to Vladi, uh, he'll be a guy who could come up too, too because he's already on that forty-man roster, so he's an easy add. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up?
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for us to do our our season preview of what our expectations are for this team as a whole, and then also some of the spicy predictions because for sure. I've got some spicy predictions. Yeah, I'm so sure you do as well.
1: Yeah, just some programming notes. We will have an episode this weekend on Sunday. It'll likely be a, a quickie. We'll cover anything that any developments at spring training between now and then, and we'll probably find something else to talk about that will make it not a quickie because that's just kind of what we do. <laughs> uh, next week, midweek, there will be no episode. I'm going to a work conference south of the border, so I'll be flying down the good old U.S. of A. for a few days. Um, but next weekend, uh, which will be Sunday the twenty sixth, we'll that's when we'll do our season preview and make some uh, classic BFMd spicy bold predictions that will likely come back to haunt us over the course of the season. But hopefully not. Well, um, for
0: every season, and for the last two, I've had a I've had a spicy one that came true. I had Steven Matz, and then last year I had Alec Manoa. Well, I guess true. that one wasn't too spicy, but it was. I was still correct oh. about Manoa.
1: That's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh, remember mine. I, don't, I can't. I can't remember that far back. I barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So. I was also
0: very <laughs> high on Santiago Espinal and up until the All Star game. You look like, like a genius. Yeah, 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 But then I started. Then he started to to fade. And <laughs> that's but yeah. I mean,
1: uh, yeah, I mean me we'll favorite. make some more spicy ones this year. By then, we'll likely have a better picture of of who will be that last bench bat as the season. I believe starts on the 29th or something. So. The 30th, maybe. I think it's two weeks from today or, t- or yesterday. I can't remember anymore. I, I th- the days all blurred together at this point. Time is an illusion. 15 days, buddy. It's 15 sure. days, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Time is an illusion anyway. Who cares? Uh, we'll be there before we <laughs> know it. But, uh, yeah, in like 10 days' time, we come back for that season preview. The, the season will only be a couple of days away then. So we'll get you all teed up for the beginning of the season on, in the road in St. Louis. Of course, the Blue Jays play their first 10 games on the road before they come home to a rebound to Rogers Center. I'm sure the construction crews are sweating every day, trying to get everything done. Um, but uh, no delays have been reported, so hopefully everything is on track. It's a pretty tight construction window when you consider that they're literally still assembling the outfield like spectator areas, and then they have to get the field ready, <laughs> like get the turf down and everything, and make sure that it's all laid flat and get the infield ready. But uh, really, I'm really excited to see what the, the revamp through Rogers Center looks like. And then, of course, next year, we'll get the lower bowl refurbed as well, too. So um, come opening day 2024, the stadium's going to look completely different than it did last year. So I'm pretty excited to see what they do to it. But uh, that'll be it's it for cool, us.
0: <laughs> it's cool. Rogers Center is getting a facelift instead of the public having to chip in like $500 million for a new stadium. Yeah,
1: that'll happen probably in the next 20 years, I'd imagine. But this definitely 100% expands the life uh, cycle of the Rogers Center. And it just it makes, it a, it makes it a baseball stadium, right? It was built as a hybrid for baseball football with the Toronto Argonauts, of course. And now the Argos have moved out to BMO Field where the uh, TFC play and the MLS. Uh, now they can make it into a, a true baseball stadium, which is awesome. We love that. But uh, that'll do it for us. If you like what we do, give us a follow on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can find everything online, bfmdpodcast.com listen to us wherever you find your podcast feel free to give it a share if you've got some folks who are just getting into the blue jays this year and they want to know more about the players these last four episodes would be a great listen to recommend to them as they'll get a good idea of what these guys are all capable of but we'll be back on sunday until then for patrick out in halifax i am justin here in saskatoon thanks for sticking with us over the last hour and a half and we will see us su- on we'll see you sunday